podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Baby, welcome to the party. I'm off the Myers in the lean. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skating around. Baby, welcome to the party. Pick some of that. Give me lit. Gun on my One in the head. Send in the clip. Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gouda's podcast. Uh, my name is Lewis. Uh, I'm joined by the two Dans. How you doing, gentlemen? All good, bro. All good. good man. Sorry, man. You guys were looking at me like bare perplexed, and <laughs> it's because of that intro thing. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect that. That was uh, that's quite a cool concept, actually. I'm, I'm, my head is actually gone by that right now. Like, I'm so. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But um, I'm actually talking about the, uh, the the YouTube. We're going live on YouTube as we as we record this. So yeah, the, you podcasters, you won't know what I'm talking about. But the two Dan's do, and everyone who's tuning with us live on YouTube absolutely do. Um, guys, uh, yes, we've got a few bits of Patreon content coming up this week. Um, so if you haven't already subscribed to the Patreon, obviously we did our post-match, um, we did our post-match West Ham review straight after the, no, actually it was the day after, wasn't it? Um, it was day after for the West Ham game. So if you want that kind of instantaneous or, um, you know, quicker match reaction rather than wait until uh, a Thursday morning to get your fix, then, um, listen, Patreon's where you need to go. It's a short, it's a small amount of fee, five pound a month. And you get, you know, you, you're getting at least one piece of bonus content a week. And because it's Corona season, we're sometimes we're doing two or three Patreon pieces a week. So listen, it's well worth it. And I'm not just saying that; um, it really is. Um, yeah, and also follow us on our socials as well. And if you are watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button, please, and like the video. Thank you very much, um, guys. Look, we'll, we'll cover the um, we'll cover the West Ham game. Um, were both of you on the Patreon with me? Who's on the Patreon? Uh, Nigerian Dan was on the Patreon, but German Dan wasn't. Um, so German Dan, let me go to you first, since you've not given your thoughts on the game as of yet. Um, what's your general feel after that game? Because it was like it was a mixture of emotions, right? We're three 0 down, and it's like what a load of shit. And then we have a really good second half where we score. Uh, well, a last the last thirty five to forty. Um, 
last 45 minutes and also the first last 10 minutes of the second half of the first half sorry and you know where we're quite good and we score three goals and we come back and draw three three so it's a bit of a roller coaster of emotions um really and truly uh well what are you taking from the game yeah i would say disappointment really um still disappointment i mean it was a great effort to fight back and get get a draw in the end i say get a draw but um yeah for me, only the W. I'm all about the W. So um, going into this game, I thought this is a game that we can win. Um, start strongly, um, control the game. Uh, I think West Ham is one of those teams that they they are a threat from set pieces. I don't really perceive them too much of a threat from open play. Um, I, I mean, Lunga does have his moments for them um, in the last couple um, um, weeks and months. He's been really good. So he, he can provide them that extra quality. And um, Antonio, obviously, is a bit of a live wire, but I was mainly thinking they're going to score from set pieces. Suchek was going to probably get a header in or something like that. Um, but I was expecting us to control the game. And uh, the first 30 minutes were just not acceptable. Um, no control over the game. Um, we weren't in the game, to be honest. I think that I don't exactly remember the stat, but it was something of us basically having no passes in their half and everything was in our half. It was pretty, it was pretty weird, the first 10 minutes especially. And then in general, the first 20 minutes, it was just like the team the team didn't play, didn't respect the game plan. They didn't play up from the back, um, scared to play through West Ham's press. And I didn't really think West Ham pressed that well. I think it was coordinated, um, but it was it was a high um, high and mid um, high and mid press, um, but it wasn't an aggressive press. So even if we were on the ball, you you were given time to play your passes. And um, frankly, the players were just picking the wrong passes or the execution was off. So first 20 minutes, really poor, man. Uh, and then 3-0 down, obviously, the bows were ringing on this court, man. They were, really... <laughs> they, were ba- they were dunking on us. Oh, boy. my God. It was, it, was, it was crazy, man. I had to, I had to, I had to contain my, uh, my, my anger a little bit because Babs was pissing me off. <laughs> Everyone was pissing me off, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. So Just chatting shit. But we scored... And then we no, we got back into the game, and then we scored one goal, and I was like, uh, and I was thinking secretly, you know, I didn't tell anyone at the time. I think I only put in the touchy goodness group. I was like, nah, we can win this game because can't lie, I just don't rate a lot of teams in this league. I don't, mm-hmm. and pe- people know that. I don't really rate a lot of teams in this league. If you have enough quality, you can put them away. You can score goals. So three one down, I, I put eight or ten pound on us to come back and win. And oh, then, did you? Um, yeah, I put, I put money on us, on, on us to win. And it was close, man. It was close. Yeah. We, we could have won. Um, I mean, West Ham could have probably got another goal um, in the second half uh, as well. They had good chances. But second half, much better. I think um, key performance for me, um, Udegaard, obviously. Everyone everyone is going crazy over his performance. Um, but I think it's also worth pointing out that Partey played an incredible second half. Mm, we will touch on that. We will touch on that. So, yeah. yeah, those were those the, the key performers for me, really. And uh, Lacazette, he, he did his thing as well in that game. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there are a few things we need to talk about in a bit more depth that we didn't quite get to cover on the Patreon. Um, you know, just in terms of like the fallout from this game, um, you know, there's there's quite a few storylines to tell, I think. You know, we've been having our own discourse in the group chat. You know, we've got, um, we're, we're kind of battling between ourselves on, you know, all right, cool. What? We've, we've, we've banged on on this podcast about process, right? Process, 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 process. I'm pretty sure there's some people in the group who said, um, you know what? I can take a good pro- process and the result's not going our way. 
right? Some people have said that. I can't, I can't, I can't bring the receipts. I, I don't remember who, but I know people have said that, especially under Emery, where we were just jazz, absolute jazz. And when we did win, it was it just felt so like, ugh. Do you know what I mean? Now, I know I know how my United fans feel watching Bruno Fernandes because under Emery, we we tip, we we personified that as a club. Do you know what I mean? We were the Bruno Fernandes of football um, under under Unai Emery. And um, Dan, I'll come to you with this. You, like, <laughs> where are you right now? Okay, process results. Obviously, the results aren't good enough. Um, we, uh, you know. A game like that, we shouldn't be 3-0 down to West Ham. Um, but at the same time, that second half was quite impressive and I quite enjoyed it. So where's the balance? Yeah, it's definitely, it's a funny one, right? Because, <clears throat> you know, we were, we were having this conversation in the group. There was a few people were saying, oh, they don't want to, they don't want to do um, uh, a U-turn and stuff, right? On, 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 on the manager and, and whatnot. But for me... I feel like it's the manager that's actually done a U-turn, you know, not not the fans, right? Because if your expectations were that this guy is, you know, he's a young manager, it's going to take time, you know, we're not going to win every match, this, that and the other, rare, tear, tear, then you can probably take the fact that we're, you know, we lose a few games along the way, we lose a few games here and there. That's not really too much of an issue. What I found um, the main issue was that we were looking like we were looking terrible, you know. We we didn't know where the next goal was going to come from. We didn't know where the next shot was going to come from. I th- I think I remember that Leeds match. You know, Leeds is probably one of the most open teams in the entire division. The amount of goals they conceded, the amount of chances they give up, and we didn't have a single shot. You know, for long long spells. I think it was something like forty five minutes we went in that match without a shot, mm. and that was before. Um, before Pepe's red card. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, when I'm looking at this, there is nothing that anyone can tell me when I'm seeing how this 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 uh, this team is, is unfolding, how this team is playing football, that will tell me that, yeah, this is the guy to take us forward. Whereas if you compare it to now, where, fine, the results um, are, are still not great, um, but I think the performances are a lot better. You know, we are dominating possession uh, for large spells, we are creating chances. We're creating good chances, um, and and we're creating big chances that we're not necessarily putting away. But there is something underlying that I can buy into because I know that if you potentially buy more efficient players at the top end to finish these chances, we'll win matches. And if you buy better players at the back end, that will you know not kick the ball into our own net or give away possession outside of the box, or you know. Um, what was it? What was the other one that, um, or just run out, run outside the box and handball it on a random one? Do you know what I mean? Like then I know that you know we'll keep more clean sheets and we'll win matches and we'll win three points more consistently. So I think before, no one can tell me there was anything that we can buy into. I think if Arteta didn't win that FA Cup and we came eighth last season, say we lost that final and we we're playing football the way that we were playing from October to December, I think there will be a lot less people. Uh, willing to give him time. I think the FA Cup did him a lot of favours in the sense that it bought him the time to, I guess, um, make his mistakes, if that makes sense. And I feel like October to December, he was making a lot of mistakes. And I feel like hopefully now, 
that has been a learning curve for him and we won't see that type of that type of stuff anymore. Do you know what I mean? Where we're going eight, nine, ten, ten, eight out of ten games uh straight else. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I think he's he is a young manager, he needs to learn on the job, etc. But hopefully he learns quickly and all of this sort of you know bad form, bad uh performances on the pitch um is is gone out of his system, it's gone out of the team system. Yeah, it's um. See, see, the the thing is, some might say to you, Dan, that is the minimum we should expect from an Arsenal team. Some might say, controlling controlling the game, uh, majority possession, creating chances. That's Arsenal. Um, we've been that way for thirty years. Um, why should we expect anything less than that? Um, that is the Arsenal gr- we grew up on. So why is that impressive that Arteta is doing that with this crop when really and truly that should be the minimum expectation? I think that's a good question. Um, and, uh, and to be honest... That was my, that was my inner Anton uh, coming out of there. To be honest, I, 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 can, I can agree with that narrative to some degree. This is, this is the minimum that we should expect. And if we're going back to the start of the season... Our expectations for the start of the season. Uh, most Arsenal fans' expectations for the start of the season was comfortably to be comfortably in the top six and challenge for the top four. Let's not make no mistake about that. Let's not pretend that we we thought we'd be outside of the top six. That was never the case. Um, and uh, if someone said that, then at the time people would have been like, "Yeah, you're bugging," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, it was very clear what our intentions were for the season. We massively came sure on those intentions um, and targets and objectives in the first half of the season. No mistake about that. And that's mainly down to management. Um, the crop of players is there. You need to you need to extract the maximum out of them, um, elicit the maximum out of them. And we didn't, uh, quite quite frankly, for three months, it was just unacceptable um, performances. Um, sorry, unacceptable performances. And um, the problem was for me at the time was that the... The, the full process of finding the solution was very, very long. And uh, I thought that the solutions were obvious. And I think a lot of the people in the Tachigunas group as well, and probably in the wider Arsenal community, thought the solutions are obvious. We we need a creative flair. We need to play through the middle. All these type of aspects that were, that were made. There were those those um those sort of um, conclusions were made, uh, I think, after the Leicester game, before the Leicester game, and that was like start of November. And we didn't do this to to an um, adequate standard or level until after Christmas, nearly New Year. And that's a long period of time. And you, everyone knows we're playing every three ge- every three days. There's a lot of suffering that we've we've gone through this season. You know, this season has been a long, long season. Um, where, where I do give Arteta some credit um, for sure is that he his job was on the line and he he he, he adapted and he, he found the right balance and system. Or well, I would say he found the right base. Um, he's now he's now um, he's now adding pieces to this and um, basically fine tuning this um, his, his philosophy in the way we're playing football. But he found he found he found the base. But um, and our performances have been I think way better since December. But if I look at it holistically, those type of performances that we've had since the Chelsea game are what I expected throughout the season. And based on the, on those expectations, I thought 
we have to be challenging for top four. And make um, no mistake about that. I still believe that we should have. And and the evidence that we are now that we're able to 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 pick up wins, even when we're not playing, um, even even though when we're not as convincing uh, as in we've been in the past when getting top four, just shows that yeah, we we've could have we've could have been very well in with a shot for top four if you played like this for the rest of the season or for all of the season. So I think that's where a lot of the criticism comes. I think my my personal view is still um similar to Dan. He he's now he's made these adjustments. It, the, the the performances are getting better. I think the results still need improvement. They're still unacceptable results that we haven't. And to some degree, also unexpectable performances because you can't be going through the down to West Ham in 30 minutes. You can't be losing losing to Villa. Can't be losing to Wolves. Like Those type of things still need to be ironed out. But I would lie if I'd say we're not on an object um, up, upwards tra- um, trajectory from where we were in November. Uh, I mean... That's that's just the truth. Um, I do think that he did take us a step back, but he's taken us to where we should be now. So, can he build on this now? That is the big question that that mm. we all all can't really answer. We have to see. Yeah, I, I just put, I just shared the the since Boxing Day league table. You know that uh, that everyone loves to be sharing right now. You know we're fourth. That place is not the rule league table, but yeah, it's not the rule league table. But there is context to it. We're not just plucking a random date at the air like some might have you believe. But that is, you know, there was a clear chain of events that led to that date. There's a clear reason then for choosing that date. And since that day, we have been infinitely better than we had been prior to that and i know it's not and and he needs to take as much responsibility for this league table as he does for the overall league table and there's only one reason we're in ninth and it's because of Mikel arteta right that's there's only one man to blame really and truly because it's he's had the same batch of players except for you know odegaard and asr who have been added in and essentially they've been the catalyst i, I guess for this um for this uh, turnaround, but you know they, they were, um, you know, the, the Arteta failed, failed to find the solutions. Um, he, he, you know, he signed Willian in the summer, so he needs to take some blame for for what happened between October and December. Um, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about um, the game itself because the the first 15 minutes were bizarre right we had some clashing opinions um in the discord um dan you didn't german dan you uh, sorry nigerian dan you didn't un, you didn't think uh you well, actually let me not say what you what i thought you 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 said but um because it's your opinion and i don't want to put words in your mouth but um you want to gaslight yeah I, I yeah i don't want to gaslight <laughs> I, I i personally um i felt like we showed a bit of fear and I'm not too sure why we showed fear because in the first 15 minutes, I think a, a graphic came up on Sky Sports, something about 33 passes in the final third for West Ham and one for us. And, you know, that was absolutely insane. And every time we, because West Ham were putting us under so much pressure, they weren't doing too much, but they had a few like glance headers that went wide and it was like a few warning signs. And every time we got a goal kick, we would drop deep as if, you know, like we would normally do to play short. And Leno would just be like, no, go, 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 like go up to the halfway line. And that that confused me a little bit because we could say, is that an instruction from Arteta then to, to go long? But if, it, if it's your instruction to go long, why have 
our centre backs then gone on to the the edge of the area to come and collect the ball. So I didn't quite and 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 we're showing that from the start of the game, which showed personally it showed me. But I don't think we had a Scooby Doo what we were doing in the first fifteen minutes, and that's worrying to me because we can't start games like that um, every every week in the Premier League. Because if we do, we're going to face a few more of those um, barnstorming. Uh, you know, 15 minutes from West Ham where they put us under the cosh and we're 2-0 down in no time and 3-0 down by, what, 35 minutes or whatever. So, um, Nigeria and Dan, I'll go to you first. Um, instruction, design, whatever you want to call it, or just a fear amongst the players. What do you think it was? Yes, it's interesting because, um, yeah, we, we were having this discussion, right? And I think, I can't remember where I heard this. I think I heard this... Um, on another podcast, right? And they said that the first five minutes um, is very important because that's when, you know, the, the, the instructions are freshest and that's when you see what the game plan, um, the game plan should be, right? So, like, if you think back to the Man City game, immediately, first five minutes, Man City had the ball. He went straight to Mares. You know, he went one-on-one with Tierney, put the ball in and, I don't know, two, two three minutes later, they did it again. And then I think on the third time, um, they scored from it, right? So then I think Arteta changed a couple things, um, called, uh, I don't know, I don't, can't remember who was playing on the left that game. Um, I think Pepe started on the right. So maybe he called um, uh, Smith Rowe, maybe, or, Mar- or, or, or Martinelli or Pepe or whoever it was, Saka, um, to tuck in a bit more. And then we stopped that. Um, stop that attack, but it's clear from minute one that was City's way of getting in, right? And this this game uh, against West Ham, I feel like it reminded me of the game against Leeds where it was clearly instructed for us to not try and play out, out of Leeds' press. And we went long um, again and again and again and again in that away game, and I, th- I think it cost us, right? So I just find it very strange that Fair enough, because I, I get the, the the like the understanding that yeah, Leno he's had some um, errors recently. The players have been a bit wobbly at the back, playing out the back and whatnot. But I found it very difficult to take that after minute one, they've just completely ditched trying to play out because he they didn't do it once. That like Mary got on the ball, he went up the line long. Tierney um, got on the ball, he went up the line long. Um, every goal kick it was going long. So I found it very strange that um, we weren't even attempting to play out the back a little bit. So um, so that's why I thought it was instruction. But I do understand that, you know, the players, they were still setting up to receive goal kicks short. Um, and eventually we, we were playing short. But I just thought in that first 15 minutes, we didn't even try to play short, which is why I thought it was... Um, instructions from Arteta and I thought it was very strange that we would try and do that because all of the success that we've had in recent weeks even in the games that has cost us um, goals we've we've been able to score from playing out the back like even that Burnley game where the error comes our goal that we actually score is from playing out the back to party and then he he breaks the line so um, that's why I thought it was very strange that we we we, we um, seem to ditch that yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Uh, Jermadan, any, any thoughts you want to add on to that before we move on? Yeah, it was um, it was strange to me as well. And um, I know Lacazette came out um, after the game and said we didn't respect the game plan. 
we don't know exactly what that was. Obviously, the first assumption people would make is that we, it was because they just kept kicking long. Maybe there was something else that they didn't do that were, they were supposed to be doing alongside kicking the ball long that they didn't do. We don't know that, but one thing we do we do know is that the kicking long didn't work. We didn't yeah. have the, the recipients uh, um, high up the pitch that could win the aerial battles against West Ham. We didn't win the second ball, and essentially we were giving the ball to West Ham every single time just to get to get basically counter attack. So when you go up, you push your line up and you kick long, and they win the ball, and then the second ball, they break on you straight away. So it was just, yeah, we were getting we were getting break on man, transitioned on. And and that 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 was poor. And then once we started playing out from the back and actually playing through that press a little bit, West Ham dropped off. Um, and um, it was really we we dominated that game for most of it. I think there was only a five minute spell that West Ham had in the second half where they were threatening. The rest we were on on top. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more with the Credit Karma Money Spend Account you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, hundred percent. The 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 next part I wanted to talk to you about actually was um the whole notion of um Thomas Partey and the performance of Thomas Partey. You know, because at first I have to admit, um, I not that I was down on his performance. I thought he did well. Um, I thought he did well. I, but I didn't quite notice his um, influence on the game until I rewatched the second half. And um, it was then evident to me that, you know, there was a player on the pitch who said, this is not good enough um, and we need to sort this out. And well, there was two players essentially who did that. One of them, obviously, Erdegaard. And the, the, but I felt like the catalyst for bringing Erdegaard into the game was actually Thomas Partey. And I feel like his performance, for some reason, has come under a lot of scrutiny. And um, I don't know if that's by, like, Arsenal fans or, um, you know, opposition fans or a mixture of both. I just see a lot of, you know, slander, basically, on on the, on, on social media. And um, for me, I don't really understand it. Because even whilst I was watching the game, I never got vibes of, oh, he's having a stinker. Um, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought he was playing really well. Yeah, for, for me, when I first half, I didn't think anyone was good. I think only Odegaard was decent. I didn't think he was that good either. I think he was decent. He was good at getting the ball and retaining it. And uh, a lot of players struggled with that in the first half, don't get me wrong. So he was the shining light in that first half. In the second half, Partey was the one that pandered to it in between the lines 
with speed, with accuracy, um, disguised every every like so on so many occasions he found Udegaard um and the Udegaard could take the game to West Ham then and had passing options in the final third. And um we've talked about this a few times. And obviously, some of the other touchdown podcasts make fun of us when we say, or when I say, um, destabilize. But Partey was destabilizing that midfield, man. Suchek and Rice could not get close to him, and they could not stop the pass, his passes. They didn't know where his passes were going. His passes were breaking lines, taking players out of the game, and um, allowing Udegaard to be in good positions. And uh, granted, Udegaard executed, but I think there's a big, there was a big misconception on his performance based on just a few giveaways in the first half. He was sloppy in the first half, don't get me wrong. And in the second half, he was he was basically a single pivot. He was the one winning the ball back. He won the ball back with high regularity as well and high volume. I think he had the most recoveries in that game. Most recoveries he's, he's had since he's played in the Premier League. He's won the ball back loads. Um, he won loads of um, second balls as well. Um, so it was really a... It was really a it was really a monster performance in the second half. If you just watch that second half, you'll see what he did. He was winning the ball and finding the players in the right positions. And doing this with speed is is a whole different proposition. Like you can do this when you have time and space and no one's pressing you, but when the game is fast, you get impressed, you're doing this off one or two touches. It's a complete different ball game. And this is the reason why he's a top midfielder. Um it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think. Hey, and the shooting was a bit off. I think that that put a lot of people off when you were skying them shots into the right. <laughs> <laughs> you're muted. Hey, Lewis, you're muted. Oh, oh, my bad. Sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say he needs to relax on the shooting, but um, let me uh let me take this opportunity to uh bring Olo into the pod. Good, Better late than never. Obviously, welcome, Olo. TV on. <laughs> welcome, Uncle. Last Uncle. Sub, isn't it? Last yeah, la- sub, no. well, we, we haven't bought anyone off though. We've uh, that'd be the equivalent <laughs> of bringing on an extra player. Four side again, mate. Four side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Olo, <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about Partey's performance. Um, I don't know if you heard what I said, but um, I was basically saying that I feel like social media really had a negative outlook on Partey's performance when hey, do you know I what? thought he was the catalyst to things changing around, really. Yeah, I thought he was as well, but do you know what it is, man? I, I don't want to sound like that guy, but bro, Partey, if you were getting onto Partey, it's colorism. I swear to God, man. If Partey, <laughs> okay, go on, let me hear if out, Partey was a, if Partey was called Juan, uh, Juan Paterese, <laughs> What? Wait, 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 there's absolutely no way. People are just waiting for something to pick. Because obviously, it's come with a big reputation. Arsenal fans have gassed him up. We're telling people, this guy is world-class. And social media is just looking for a way to bring someone down like him. It's just typical. That's how I see it. But obviously, first 35, he wasn't great. He wasn't. I don't think it was as bad as people are making out. But um, after that, I think he just... He, he, him and um, Odegaard... They just took charge of that game for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got Nigerian down one patisserie. Um, <laughs> <thoughts>. <laughs> I 
you're, you're on mute now, Dan. You're on mute now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that name, yeah, but um, <laughs> I think Ola, I, I do think Ola has a point. I think because um, it's it's a very it's a funny signing, right? I think there was a lot of pre-loaded agenda. I don't want to say agendas, but there's a, a biases. I think whether conscious or unconscious, right? I think a lot of people had um, strong opinions about the signing before he'd even played for, for, for Arsenal. There were a lot of people that said, you know, um, we don't, why do we need to sign a, a central midfielder? You know, why do we need to sign a DM um, when we need an attacking player, etc. You know, there was all the party versus our discussions, etc. And I feel like because people were on one side of, of the line, um, you know, they, they, they're looking for, a reason that they can point to to say, yeah, they were right. You know, we didn't need this guy. We didn't, um, we, we, we shouldn't have spent 45 million pound on him, you know? And so I feel like people are very sensitive to everything that he does on the pitch. Um, the moment one, one person run, runs past him, he's had a bad performance. He's, mm. He passes one, he misplaces one pass. He's had a bad performance. He skies a couple shots. He's had a bad performance. Whereas, you know, they're ignoring actually the, the good things that he's doing on the pitch. And to be fair, I'm probably on the other side and I'll I'll probably go further to ignore the bad things that he does to try and justify mm. it because I'm a big fan of the player and I, and I want him to do well at, at Arsenal and I wanted us to sign him for the money, etc. So, you know, there, 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 there are two sides to the coin. But I think if, if you just try and exercise some balance in looking at him, you can see that, even when he's he's having a bad game, I think that he is still doing a lot of good things. You know, um, I do, I do not think we 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 scored any of the three goals yesterday if he is not, you know, being very vertical with his passing, being very quick with his passing. Um, and you know, we've seen other centre mids that we've had this season. You know, if El Nenny's playing that match, he's not finding Odegaard and and, and um, Lacazette with that any sort of regularity. Ceballos, I think, can do it, but I don't think he's doing it at the speed that party is doing it. Mm. And I think he almost made Xhaka redundant yesterday. Um, not yesterday, but on, on the weekend. Um, and that's why Arteta took him off. And that, that's Xhaka's a guy that we've seen play 16 games in a row, 90 minutes, all, all, all of the games. Yeah. So this is a guy that is basically has been fundamental to us building play and our, I guess, resurgence in form. In, in fairness to Xhaka, though, he looked like a player who had played 16 games in a row, complete yeah. 90 minutes. He he looked tired. I thought a few I thought a few of our players actually looked quite tired. Like the schedule looked like we'd... But it weird because we ended strongly, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, think you've, I think you've raised some good points there, especially about the biases, because when he does do something bad, I sit there quiet. I'm just like, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, I, didn't know. I, I hope that no one else sees it. You know, there was, I yeah. think there was like a pass about five minutes in where he, um, where he expected Chambers to be there and he's just played a ball straight off the pitch. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then I just, I, I think we were on the Discord at the time. I just started talking, you know, like, oh yeah, just started Someone changing the subject. About, about, about uh, TV shows and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to change the subject, you know, just in case you're, the ops are local. But I think there is an element of that, you know, there's some, there's some cheeky Man United fans out there that are still a bit jealous that they didn't sign him. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say any names, but <laughs> there's a few of them out there. Very jealous. <laughs> Seb, very, Seb, oh, huh? Seb might That's be one of them. Seb might be one of them, and a, and, and another Timothy, 
Timothy yeah. A1 De Niro. I reckon he's a bit jealous as well, actually. He's very jealous, mate. Yeah, Bless very him. jealous. Very jealous, <laughs> but, you know. Bless it. You know, he's got Scott, Scott McTominay in midfield, so who wouldn't be jealous? It's, it's not his fault, man. It's not his fault. No, no, no. But yeah, um, I thought, yeah, I, I think we've covered party enough. Uh, German Dad, did you chime in or I can't remember if you chimed in on the Yeah, yeah, I did. I, did. I think, I think yeah. just on, on the on the last points that, that you've made on Jacka as well, I think there were fans calling for party to be substituted instead of Jacka. Listen, yeah, you might, bizarre, if, right? you, if you did like, if you do, if you wanted to see Jacka in midfield by himself for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, I mean, you might, I don't know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say, you know, but I, or I wanted to say, but it's just a bit wild. That's I think it's, it's I think wild. It's, so. <laughs> I think it's very interesting you say that, uh, Dan, because do you remember the Villa match when um, we were 1-0 down, uh, Party is the one that got subbed off uh, and, and ESR, because I think he had another injury, right? And mm-hmm. then ESR came on and we, we did sort of the same thing, basically, Um with William on the left, Aubameyang in the middle, Pepe on the right, and it was a 4-3-3. And we lost all ability to build play. Um, for that, that sub happened, I think, 70 minutes, and we didn't have another shot, I think, until like the 87th minute or something mm-hmm. like that, when we're 1-0 down. So, you know, I think people need to respect what this guy's doing in centre mid and his ability to link defence and attack I think it's second to none in this division. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually going to go go out there on a limb. In terms of the progressive passing and linking defence to attack, I don't think there's anyone better at doing it. I think the yeah. verticality is a big, big aspect. And uh, just to, sorry, Lee, um, but on that Villa game, we started going wide. Everything was going wide because we couldn't go through the middle anymore. Partey mm. gives you that ability to go through. He just the pass it straight through the center, yeah. right? Like, and he passed it with zip as well. I do think like there's an element of it where I think part people look at Partey and they think, oh, he must be a destroyer. He must That's be, it. you know what I mean? He, he must be big. I'm not gonna lie, big you bloke from Ghana, and you expect him to be, you know, um, you know, strong in a tackle, winning the ball back. At, but he, that's not, not to say he's not good at that. He is good at that side of the game, but he's not he's not a Kante. He's not a no. um, you know, or you know, in Arsenal terms, he's not a Coquelin or a T- Lucas Torreira. That's not his that's not his remit. His remit is you get me the ball, and when I get the ball, we're gonna make things happen. And yeah. I don't think people expect that skill set from his profile of play, which probably is. goes into your point, Olo of um maybe the colorism aspect where um or it, not even maybe not even the colorism stuff but just pure he's from Ghana like yeah, <laughs> nobody's yeah, expecting yeah. man from Ghana to do that do you know what I'm saying I think people are treating him you know how Essien when Essien first came to the prem mm. they they didn't you know all them goals he was scoring all them things he was doing people didn't expect it from him mm. people it's kind of like how people look at Kante people just see him as a as a destroyer, just someone I, I do see ball. Kante as just a destroyer. Do you know what? No, no, do you know what? Something about Kante, he does. There are certain aspects to his game that people don't give him credit for. Mm. They did this with John Obi Mikel as well. Yeah, mm. Mikel is another one. I think it's not saying it's not a race card mm. thing, but it's more of a like people don't give it's the, a it's certain the unconscious yeah. bias. Yeah, yeah. Certain obviously, I don't want to make it race card, but certain skin colors, how we touch onto it, onto it as like kids, how. The black players get shoved in the wing or this and that. So when you see a midfielder that can that's black and he, he's actually really good, they they've got technical ability to match whoever. 
people don't give them the respect that they deserve. That's how I see it, really. Mm-hmm. No, f- fair enough, man. Um, good points there. Um, next person I um want to talk about before we wrap things up. Oh, where am I going? Ah, what are you doing there? <laughs> have, I, have I disappeared? You, you're you're frozen. Ah, there we go. I think I'm back now. Can you guys see me? No? No. Nah, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm sure it will come back. I yeah, don't know what's going on. We can hear you. We can hear you. Yeah. Um, the next person I wanted to speak about, obviously, um, is Martin Erdegaard. Um, how good was that performance? And also, I just want to create a discussion point around, um, obviously, a lot of talk of, after this game of like, wow, we have to make this guy permanent. Um, and what would be the upper limit of what you guys would be willing to pay? Me personally, I'm all in. Whatever Real Madrid say, go for it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I hate you still. I hate you. But I said the same thing about Tobias, so I'm not, you know, I can't be trusted. Yeah, he definitely can't be trusted. <laughs> At all, bro. Is my camera working again? No, it's not still. No, but, uh, oh you, my you, you God. froze. Yeah, but we move. We move. Um, you see, um, the thing is with this Erdogan guy. I, I know that question was put out um, on Twitter, and I, I said I'd pay up to sixty million for him, um, and that's given the the current sort of COVID market, etc. But I actually feel like we should be able to get him for cheaper. Um, mm. Because I, I I know Madrid need money etc. But if you actually if you look at this guy's career and the fact that he's not rated at Madrid, I feel like they wouldn't ask for as as high a price as that. Personally, I feel like you know they need they need the funds. And if you look at his record in terms of actual numbers that he's put up, I know he was top five chance creators in La Liga last season etc. But um, he's not really a goal-scoring midfielder um, thus far in his career. Um, and he, he hasn't really put up the assist numbers um, thus far in his career. So if you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, what actual pedigree that this, this guy has, um, I don't think he you can, you can ask for, um, you know, 50, 60, 70 million for a player who hasn't actually shown you um, those kind of levels, that consistent level yet um in terms of production right so um i feel like we would be able to get him for say the same price that uh, chelsea got kovacic for um 40 million pound um i think they were asking for 30 million for danny sabios as well um so i think in that in that sort of range would be would be fair i also feel like the, the conversation that we were having um when we signed him of a potential extra 12 month loan deal with an obligation option to buy still on the table personally. I don't really think that we've seen enough for that to now um it for, for Madrid to now demand that we we buy him up front immediately unless another club um comes in for him uh, and, and and wants him uh, uh in summer. So I feel like we're we're positioned quite well to make this deal um to make this deal happen. And all the all the all the conversations are saying that Zidane's gonna stay, you know. So um so, so I'm, I'm, I'm very quietly hopeful that we can get this deal done and get it done for a reasonable price. I'm, I'm even fairly confident, confident even if Sudan stays, because I think and Udegaard's comments, he's, he's reiterated this as well. He wants stability. Um, if he goes now back to Real Madrid, if there's a new manager, is that manager going to play him? Does he have to compete again? He has a good thing going on at Arsenal. 
And whilst um whilst obviously we're looking at it like, oh yeah, we, we can get Odegaard, this would be super for us. It would be very good for him as well. Um, this is a very good platform to for him to play. He's played a lot of games under Arteta. He's um first choice number 10. Um it's, it's it's a good it's a good thing for him as well. And um I think I agree on on your assessment around the price. I think the Real Madrid are probably looking around 40 to 50 million in euros um that that they they look to get from us for him. Um I think the covert market obviously um plays a part um plays a part that he hasn't played in a Champions League like that or hasn't had any European um tournament where he's really um shone yet. So all those things that relate to pedigree play a part. But with Verdigard, you you pay for the potential and you play for the skill set he has. Of course, he has a very unique skill set, skill set, especially at the top level in football. So there there are transcriptors around Europe, but not to the the high, not a high octane charge creator like Udegaard and someone that can do it with this type of regularity and this type of quality. And I think his biggest quality really. Uh, is um his weight of pass his weight of pass is pretty pretty spot on and that you don't get that often I think where he actually can still improve is his positioning between the lines there's a couple of times I thought if you just positioned a bit further away from the ball you're you're making things happen even more so I think I see I see actually quite a bit of room for improvement with him and um I think you're buying the potential here and I, I would be willing to spend 60 70 to be honest but I think we can get him for 40 50. Mm. Yeah, fair play. Fair I'm play. in line with that as well. I think I do think we can get him for a cut price, not um not as high as people are saying about sixty mil. Maybe uh, I reckon we can probably get him for about forty, fifty, maybe even because obviously we should be thankful of the COVID market. Also, the fact that Madrid Madrid have got targets this summer, they're probably gonna push all out for Haaland, so they need to sell some of the assets and. We're lucky he's one that they need to sell. And I think we've got a guy that's replaced Ozil, finally. And we need to go all out to get him into this club. I think people are saying about, oh, uh, Smith-Rowe should just go with Smith-Rowe, but we need more than Smith-Rowe. Even after adding um, Odegaard, we need to add one extra. I think we should go for one more player after him. Yeah, I hear that. I, I, I agree with I agree with all of that, man. I feel like grab grab Odegaard and grab another, you know, sort of left-sided, yeah. um, right-footed playmaker type, you know, then 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 you're really you're really talking about about doing something something very very good and um yeah. doing something oh. a bit special there, I think, because you know, Smith Rowe and Odegaard, I think they're very, very complementary pieces. I don't think it is an either either or yeah. Um, Odegaard, he likes he likes taking a lot of touches. He likes travelling with ball and playing that final pass. And I think that Smith Rowe is a very good off the ball mover. Um, he he takes very few touches when he is in possession, and he keeps thing he keeps things ticking um, and accept, he accelerates the play um, in a very different way. And if you looked at the, you know, we we we've said that Smith Rowe doesn't necessarily have the same final pass that Odegaard does. But if you look at the the chance creation numbers in their time playing for Arsenal, they're very, very similar. Both are creating yeah. at a very similar rate, despite not having um, the, the the same sort of skill set, you know? And I feel like if you have both of them in the team together and, you know, we saw we saw a glimpse of it, them both playing as eights, you have two different methods of creating chances in that team. If you then add another piece where you have someone on the left who can dribble and create chances by coming inside, Tierney's got 
uh, creates chances by going on the outside, um, and 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 you you replicate that on on the right hand side of the pitch as well. Then you're you're talking about a very very dangerous team with lots of different weapons there. So you know, I feel I feel like yeah, we need to we need to make sure that we sign this guy um, and and add more pieces to it as well. Yeah, no, I think there's a problem. No, no, Sorry, do you know I was even thinking um, who would be interesting on the um, left that. would be mm. Pedro Neto if we could afford him. I think he, I think he's definitely an interesting player. I, I don't mind I don't mind ESO on the left actually. I was going to suggest Lukuda. You can hear you now, Lou. <laughs> I think when we should sign a midfielder, you can hear positive. me. Sorry, guys, I'm having such a bad time of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can hear you and see you, man. It's all good. But yeah, I was thinking about signing a midfielder to play with Partey potentially, um, mm. and then using using ESR as a left winger, but coming inside. Um, either way, man, I think I've said this before, man. If you buy a nice, nice item, if you buy some drip, Olo, you will know about this. You, 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 you shop in the drip out here, man. If, if you, if you buy a nice piece of, of trainers, if you buy some Dior's or some Balenciagas, man, you're not happy just, just going out and them. You need to buy some jeans and some t-shirt as well, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to, you need to stack up the closet, man. Basically, some Levi jeans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Lewis. This, um, this is I'm on my. I'm, oh God! Why is there such a delay? <laughs> there, there isn't. There isn't for us. I'm. No, nah, it's not. There's no delay. Lou, are you in jail or something? Man? What's going on? <laughs> Lou must be in jail, man. This is crazy. <laughs> Honestly, this is ridiculous, guys. I might have to just jump off here. Can you guys just finish off the pod without me, please? Because <laughs> this is insane. I can't. I, whatever I'm saying is like five seconds behind you and I can't do anything about it. This is not great podcasting. I really do apologise, everyone. That's yeah. all right, man. We, 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 we do, I think. No worries. Yeah, before, right, before you go, before you go, yeah. um, how much would you spend on Odegaard? Oh, whatever. Unlimited, mate. What, you know, whatever you want. Right. Fair, fair play. Would you would you spend more on, on Odegaard or Sabaos? Sabaos, man. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think, uh, uh, listen, uh, Sabaos, if I'm being real with everyone, I think um, Sabaos isn't what I thought he was initially. I still think he's a really good player, but he's not a player I would spend, you know, copious amounts of money on. And I, 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 I got that wrong. Although I still like the player, I really do like the player. I think he's really good. Um, I wouldn't pay Erdegaard what I would be willing to pay for Erdegaard on Sabaos. Because I think Erdegaard is that he, he looks like he has the potential to be a match winner um, or at the very least a um, a player who can change the, t- the, the tide in games, you know, change um, the outcome of games, if not by scoring, then by creating chances. And, you know, Erdegaard on, on the weekend, you know, a man in a match performance probably, but no goals, no assists. But that doesn't matter to me um that's yeah it doesn't yeah um in terms I remember of you know, get onto like this way. no <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah but the thing is the thing is yeah about Ozil the thing is about Ozil is that um 
There's, there were too many games where he'd be hanging on the periphery and not involved. And that's what I didn't like about Ozil. And I used the goals and assists as a stick to beat him with because I still don't think he scored enough goals. Um, to be fair, and I think, five, I think and, unless that. you're going to tell me, unless are you going to tell me five assists in two and a half years is good? Or... No, it's it's not great. But I think with players like Odegaard, we shouldn't. It's not. It's not great. Though. No, it's not great. <laughs> no, it's not great. But you see, like Odegaard, for example, um, I don't think we should be looking at him for goals. I think just him creating is more important than the goals. We have to. That's where we have to find a solution for the goals from elsewhere. I mean, if he chips in if, if, if I, a fair I, share of goals, that's cool. But I need, I, I think that's why we need to... The midfielder we sign, we need to look at are they a goal-scoring midfielder at the same time? Whilst I think, I think being able goal, to do other things. I think the scoring is for the forward line and the midfielders can Yeah, chip the in. forward line as well, yeah. I think everyone should be chipping in around him. It's, it's not his job. His job is just to create for us. That's it, to be honest. The issue is we don't... The issue is we don't have two primary goal scorers, I don't think. Uh, no, I think that's in order to be... Unless you're... Man City are proving this obviously wrong. But um, I don't think we've got two players who are going to, um, you know, get you 15 goals each. Um, other than Ubamiang, obviously. Yeah, other than yeah, you got Aubameyang, and then who else? Saka's finishing is inconsistent. He's young. Willian's not going to score your goals. Pepe is too inconsistent. Um, Lacazette can't be trusted. Think, uh, Lacazette can't be trusted, and you know, I, I think Lacazette. What, what? In order to play Lacazette, you have to put Aubameyang on the on the wing, and I'm not too sure we're getting the best out of Aubameyang on the wing. No, so that's going to limit no. his output. So you're cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit with the inclusion of Lacazette, even though some people probably think some people do think we play better with Lacazette inside. Um, well, it's not going to be sure up to them I, this summer. That person, to me, it's looking like he's gone. Well, he, rightly so. He should. He should go. You know, people are celebrating 48 Premier League goals in four and a half years or whatever it is. So four yeah. years. You know, that's utterly ridiculous. So. Um, you know, it's people, sure you I had people just trying to get from it. Saying, oh, it's not bad, it's, it's 11, it's 12 goals a season average, you know. Yeah. Like, what do you mean it's 12 goals a season? What we spent 50 million pounds on a striker to score us 12 goals a season. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I I get that, man, I, and I, I understand also the the primary um and secondary goal scorer thing, and I think the problem we have is that our prior, the the two goal scorers that we have is that uh, like I said, and Abami on there we are, we can't have them together in the system and that's not compatible. If we'd have a winger and Abami up top that get those goals, then we're cool. And um, I might put my neck on the line here a little bit. I think Saka can easily get double figures if he cleans up on his finishing. He gets enough chances. Mm. Has he got five, six goals this season? And he's only only yeah. started playing right wing from December. I think he can get double figures. Let's see how he develops, of course. I don't want to put too much of a burden and like an expectation on him, but I think he's someone that can chip in. I think ESR can chip in with five goals, you know eight goals. Um, you just need a lot of players capable um, around, around the penalty box and capable in executing things, um, not just finishing. Um, so if you can't finish... Be good at creating. Um, and I think Udegaard is one of these players that's good at creating. ESR is good at creating. We need one primary goal scorer that needs to shoot and Aubameyang needs to put his shooting boots on for real. 
and we need a, a second one that can contribute to a good level, at least double figures as well. And then I think we're pretty set because goals will come from all over the team. Agreed. I hear that. I hear that. And I think yeah, I think Odegaard as well. 100%. I think Odegaard as well under Arteta has um he sort of he's sort of shown that he's he, he can score a goal now and he's arriving late in the box um you know a few times uh sky and the ball and he's got he's got a good long shot as well so you know he can he can chip in if we do keep him he can chip in with um five or six goals as well um for 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 sure for sure Lewis, you're gonna jump off I, I don't know if you guys can hear me can you guys hear me now yeah yeah we can yeah yeah it's just it's, late, it's just it's just yeah, that's what I said. It's delayed. <laughs> so yeah, I'll let you guys finish up the podcast, guys. Thank you for having me. I hope to be back next week. Uh, big up the Touchy Gooners. This guy's crazy. Um, all right. In terms of the the last topic that I think is probably worth discussing, I think there's um definitely some meat on the bones there. Um, is Callum Chambers, I think, at right back. Um, you know, I think that was a very good performance from him. Um, I forgot about him, actually. Fact, yeah, yeah, got got through. Yeah, I feel I feel like um, the start of the start of the game was a bit a bit tough for him. I think West Ham were doubling and tripling up on him on that left hand side. Antonio was there bullying him. Um, I don't think Aubameyang was really tracking back as much as he he should. I think Arteta referred to that. In his press conference as well, he said, "You know, that's why he had to switch the switch the flanks because, you know, we weren't getting the defensive cover on that side." So, mm-hmm. I do think that Chambers he showed us a bit, uh, a little something. You know, I think I think he showed us glimpses of this last season under Emery um, in Europa League and in the League Cup when he was playing right back. Um, it was a very very nice assist, I think, to Mar- Martinelli header first time on the volley on the, uh, from a Reese Nelson switcher play. So he's shown us that he can cross. He's got a good delivery, and he, he, uh, I think he got three assists that match as well. You know, um, so so he has shown us that he's got he's got some technique, he's got some ability uh, in the final third. But um, what what do you guys make of his his performance overall? And do you reckon that that should mean that he starts a few more games for us now at right back? I think Chambers is a very useful squad player. Um, I'm not sure if he's happy with his role. Um, I would imagine so. Like I would be happy being at Arsenal, being a squad player. I can't lie, man. So um, I think he's a useful squad player. He's certainly technical. I think he lacks what's required physically, a centre-back, for um, to have a, like, a regular place in the team. But I would have him in, in, in the side as a, as a squad player for right back or centre back. When we play three at the back, he could be, for example, the, the right side of centre back. I think he can give us something um, um, in that regard. And going forward, mate, that, that, he's better than Bellerin. His final ball is better than Bellerin. Things that we've missed, a, a, a right back really putting, putting some power behind his crosses, some accuracy, um, p- p- picking people out, um, also playing. Pass with the outside of your boot, and um, they're going over over 10, 15 yards rather than just two or three yards. He I can he can do those things. Like, so I, I would I would I would have him in the fold. Um, he can contribute, and he helped us create chances, mm. uh, clear, clear chances as well. I'll just yeah, I'll say, I'll it's just that Chemi is just a better footballer, uh, and it shows by the things he does and by the passes he's making, and obviously. We've I think even with Chambers doing all of this, we still need to um, 
upgrade on the right back. We just need a we need a very good right back. I think it's it's, it's one of the missing pieces at the back. And with Chambers, I w- I've been saying for a while. I, if if I had to pick out of him and Holden, who I was keeping, I would keep him just because he's versatile. He can play in multiple positions and he can do him to an adequate level. Obviously, I think I did have high hopes for him at centre-back, but obviously I don't think that's going to work out because he just doesn't... I don't think he enjoys defending that much. So, yeah, um, I would keep him around just due to the homegrown quota and um, his versatility. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And I think... he almost he almost showed us a little bit more of like what we want from that position personally. I think you know when he when he found himself in the central spaces, um, uh, he, that pass that he did to to Lacazette uh, in the first yeah, minute, you know, that's almost that's that's Cancelo esque. You know, something that you would uh, associate with a much better player, I think, than than Callum Chambers. So you know, he, he does have that technique and he does have you know, that ability to play defensive midfield, the ability to play centre-back, the ability to play right-back. So, you know, if, if he was a bit quicker, I would say, boy, that that's that's our future right-back right there. But, you know, as you said, Olo, you know, I don't think he enjoys defending too much. And I don't think he's got really the pace to deal with the the, the forwards that we have um, in, the, in the Premier League. But I do agree with, with, with both of you um, that he could be a useful squad player. Um, but, yeah, for me... Um, if we're talking about centre back options um, and and defensive options, I feel like Cedric's already here, and he's not really going to be going anywhere. So, um, do we really want to have three right backs if if we sell Bellerin and replace um, replace replace him with 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 another signing? Um, in terms of centre backs, uh, Rob Holding's just signed a new contract. Um, I do think he can still be sold in summer. I don't think that contract changes too much because I don't think it was a significant pay rise or anything like that. I think it was just an extension of his current deal. So I do think we can still sell holding. Um but then you have Saliba coming back. Um and then you also have Mavropanos who I'm not sure um whether or not we're gonna keep him uh for another year to see him. I think he's going on another year on loan. Another year on loan. That's the plan at the moment. I can yeah. see I can see them um trying to put like a buy option in that still get because obviously he's a missing his hat signing isn't he so mm. and he's doing well there so it would make a lot of sense because obviously this summer there's going to be quite a bit of cash going around so you like to think we can try to insert a buy option because i don't obviously he's been there for a while and he hasn't been i won't say he's been given a chance so you've got saliba that's here who's better much bigger talent so Obviously, I don't think he's going to be want to be back up. At the end of the day, he needs to focus on his own career. So it does make sense for him mm. to go back to Stuttgart. And obviously, for us, we tried to get a fee. Maybe yes. a buy option. Yeah, so that's that's my, my, my next point, right? In terms of value and getting and raising cash for us this summer, you know, I think Chambers has probably you know got a bigger market than someone like Mavropanos. Probably get a bigger yeah. fee for him. So. You know, if if you don't really see that bigger difference with them defensively, you maybe want to get rid of Chambers to keep Mavropanos because you can get maybe ten to fifteen mil, um, five five million more than you could get for a Mavropanos. But you know, um, definitely one to watch. And I, I personally would like to see Chambers start um, a few more games. I know our next game is against Liverpool, so I don't know if Mane is the best um, test oh, for Chambers. 
No, um, mate, we can't do that to him, man. Last yeah. time, <laughs> last think, time Chambers played Mane. Yeah, I think I think his debut. Do you not remember that game? He was getting fisted up by Mane, you know? Oh, bro. Was that Mane's de- debut? Mane's debut. Mane's debut. And I think Chambers' debut as well. And uh, oh, mate. my man just came up and slapped it top bins left footed, you know? So maybe, maybe it's a chance to redeem himself, you know? I don't know. Do you know what? I, I, I still have nightmares of Chambers right back, you know? There was that, um, just came with Swansea away. I think that was the death of him at right back. <laughs> it was, um, it was Montero. It was against uh, Montero. Oh my god! I thought Montero, though, yeah, Montero, Montero was giving everyone the steps, man. Everyone, yeah. That that, that start and goal, crazy man. He was moving yeah. like Alan Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then the final final topic for the day before we wrap up, yeah. Um, our captain, yeah, um, Pierre Emerick, yeah, Aubameyang, yeah. I think his is the the biggest contribution he had to this game was that. The celebration of Lacazette's um, <laughs> Lacazette's header, yeah, because I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I saw him celebrating, I was confused because I thought he'd, he'd already been subbed off, and he, and he, but it was just him yeah, he was walking, walking, walking around the back of the pitch. But yeah, what do you guys make of the situation? Are people reading a bit too much into it, talking about, you know, people, um, people, are, people it, all this stuff? Yeah, I think people are doing too much, man. We need to try, we need to try keep a good atmosphere, good enough atmosphere. Um, I get it. He was he was not good in that game. His defensive, I think, for the third goal it was, he just lets this guy go, uh, and it was clear that the ball was going to the byline, and he kind of slows up. And if he if he tracks his man, Kufo, is not getting an easy ball into the box like he did. Um, so he, he he neglected his defensive duties, and he was not a, not really a threat. But Aubameyang is one of these players. He can be on the periphery in games and still score. It's one of these things. He has this type of quality and. Granted, it's not going good for him um, currently. He had a bad patch um, be, before December. Um, I, I would say the whole team did, so I wouldn't read too much into that. But the team is picking up form now. And in the last couple of games, he's missed a lot of chances. Um, these things that leading, leading by example and not being late, then being disciplined basically in the public eye. Um, there's a lot of things that are not looking too good from the outside looking in. But... I, I, I back I back the top players. I, I, people always say, "Oh, why why um why why am I so harsh with certain players and why I don't, why why I don't care and why I'm giving more leeway to other players?" It's because I be, if I see quality and I believe in the quality, I'm willing to give them more time, give them bigger leverage. So um, that's the same with Aubameyang. Um, he's got enough credit in the bank for me to still believe that he can turn this around. Um, I fully recognise and, and also see that he's not in a good patch at the moment. He's not putting the chance away that he should. But for the better of Arsenal Football Club and what we want to achieve this season, I I would not, I would not be fooled and just believe Lacazette is going to do the things for us just because he he's played well in a couple of games um, since Jan. Um, I think if we really want to win the Europa League, Aubameyang needs to needs to be heavily involved in this. I think. Yeah, for sure, and I think you know if you you actually look at how he's played, not in this game, but how he's played up top. I don't think we can have too many complaints about, you know, his performance because of the chances that he's getting. You know, obviously he's him missing the chances is mm. big, but I think the fact that he's getting lots of chances means that if, if we keep playing him up top, this guy's going to slap goals because that's what he does. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not really I'm not really too down on him. I do get where the you know concerns are coming from, etc. But you know, even if you look at this game, the the own goal 
that um, that West Ham scored the second one. Aubameyang was right behind that, ready to tap that in, you know. But obviously, you know, the, the defender kicks it in their own net, so he doesn't get his goal. And this would have been that would have been another game where Aubameyang's been pretty poor, pretty anonymous. But he was right there in a goal scoring position to put the ball in the net. Like people, if I don't know if they if they've not seen that, go watch the highlights again. He's literally standing right behind Craig Dawson. Um, as that as he as he kicks the ball in his own net, so you know I feel like his movement is something that we can't ignore. Even when he's having a bad game, as you said, Dan, he can pop up and score. Um, and Ola, I'll, I'll let you add to that if you want to, um, just before we wrap up. Um, to be honest, you lot already touched on everything to do with Bamiang. I mean, obviously he's not had the best of weeks, having been dropped against Tottenham. He didn't have the best of performances in midweek and Europa. So. I mean, all we can do now is just hope that this season is a one-off. Because obviously he's got another two years. So over the summer, I think we just need to find as much weight. Like I mentioned, we need as much creativity around him to make sure that he's going to get all the chances he needs to just tuck it away. Because he's going to miss chances, but the more chances you give to him, the more he scores. So, yeah, let's, that's all I can really say on the matter. But... um. I mean, it's good to see him not not respond in a, like a dickhead way to the whole being dropped situation. Because if that was old Aubameyang, <laughs> bro, he would have done tweets about Arteta. He would have like. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the positive. He's become a lot more mature. I respect that, man. I hear that. I hear that. Um, I think we'll leave it there for today um thanks everyone for tuning in live um if you missed any parts of it this is going to be up on the youtube it's going to be out on spotify apple Podcasts, all of that stuff make sure you go leave us um a five-star review and a comment you know like the video on youtube um do all of that positive stuff let's get us climbing up them them rankings um make sure you follow uh touchy gunas on twitter instagram um, and all your other social medias and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. You know, you're, there's there's plenty, plenty discords that are popping off, you know, and if you're not, if you're not part of the discord, you're definitely missing out on elite, elite content, man. That's where, that's where everything goes down um, and that's where all the action happens, you know. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening um, and peace. We'll catch you uh, with probably another Patreon piece. I think we're going to try and do a rewatch um during this international break of that west ham match but um yeah see you guys soon best up it's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's ozil lacazette ozil yo This is a Baby, welcome to the party. Uh, I'm off the Myers in the lean. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skate in a Rari. Baby, welcome to the party. Pick some of that. Give me lit. Gun on my One in the head. Podcast Network.